right, we've got lucky caller number four, Marcus, on the line. If he answers this question, he wins a new car. Let's do this. Okay, for a new car, name the only actor to appear in... And now a message from our sponsor. With 24-7 support and quick and easy claims, Progressive protects what matters most. Progressive. Films all in the same year. Wait, sorry, I, I didn't hear the question. Three seconds, Marcus. Yeah, no, but there was an ad in the middle. He didn't answer. But I didn't hear anything. Oh, Marcus, you dropped it in the dirt. Progressive. There's never a bad time for great protection. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Morning, good afternoon, good evening, or so anybody already this legalized on tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We have a lot to talk about today. We actually do a lot of security concerns. Intel launching a new batch of failure in a chip. And a lot of very, very odd stories. But we're gonna start things off with a story that is shocking but not surprising. A research paper has shown that Google collects 2,000% more data from Android devices than Apple collects from iOS devices. I mean, let's be honest. Who is actually surprised? That Android phones send out more data to Google than iPhones send data out to Apple. Not a whole lot of people, especially since Apple, you know, prides themselves on their security. Just going, we don't need to harvest you for data and profit. We already harvest you for profit just on the basics of you drinking the apple juice. I mean, I'm not wrong. But at the same time, the experience of using a uh, an Android phone over an Apple phone is a bit jarring, especially transitioning from Apple to Google. I actually noticed this myself when... I actually switched from my i my what was it? It was an iPhone seven. I want to say that was just like the black on black on black phone that wasn't a folding phone and had no headphone jack. And then I switched back to Android. And, oh, hello, headphone jack. And then never used it. And now I have no headphone jack. Thanks, Samsung. By the way, I'm still a little annoyed by that. You were the chosen ones. You you were sent to restore features. Jerks. But I digress. One of the things I noticed right off the bat, Android phones just really do send you more notifications based on your location. A lot of you who get a new a new Android phone and forget to turn this these sort of things off. You notice this all the time. You leave a new location, you're going to notice that right in your notification bar. Hey, did you enjoy uh, that restaurant you were just at? Or maybe you haven't noticed it because no one's been allowed to go anywhere for the last 29 years or so. That's how long 2020 last, lasted, right? 29 years? 
But to know that it's 20 times more data than Apple collects from an iOS phone is just nuts. Someone in the chat says that that they've never seen those things pop up. Now, that could be for a couple of reasons. One is that you actually did catch that sort of stuff right away. Or two, and actually the more likely version, the more likely reason, is that our brethren across the pond over in Europe slam and underline slam down on tech companies doing any sort of monitoring much, much more strictly than we do here in the U.S. Like, it is just a pastime of the EU to just go ahead and f- and file complaints against, tra- against tech companies for tracking. Frequent listeners of the podcast will know that uh, we've been covering those sort of things... There was just like months where it's just like every week was a new complaint filed by the EU against Apple, against Facebook, against Google, against Google, against Facebook, against Google, against Facebook, against Facebook, against Twitter, against Facebook, against Facebook. So that could be one of the reasons. And of course... There's a couple other questions in regards to the study. What Android phone they use? Because, let's be honest, there is a different experience between using, say, a Samsung, a Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra, like I have here, and, say, a Google Pixel 4e. For starters, a 4E has less bloat on it that could be sending data. Another one is that a 4E would still have a headphone jack. Yes, Samsung, I am still salty about that. Even though though the only bit of headphones I own that actually use a headphone jack are the headphones I use for streaming. That are wired in such a way they're all pretty much a permanent part of the setup. But I digress. So that much is not clear. So there is that part for starters. But then, of course, Google just couldn't let it go. Google, in fact, did go through and then post back to 9to5Mac, who was the, who were the original ones of reporting this report, and saying, We have identified flaws in the researchers' methodology for measuring data volume and disagree with the paper's claims that an Android device shares 20 times more data than an iPhone. According to our research, these findings are off by an order of magnitude, and we shared our methodology concerns with the researcher before publication. This research largely outlines how smartphone works. Modern cars send regular, regularly send basic data about the vehicle's components, their safety status, 
and service schedules to the car manufacturers, and mobile phones work in a very similar way. This report details those communications, which help ensure that iOS or Android software is up to date, the services are working as intended, and that the phone is secure and running efficiently. You know what I notice in this uh, statement from Google? It didn't say how it's flawed. They pretty Google just pretty much in their public statement here just said, no, that's wrong. That's it. Chat is wondering if I dis- if I regret having a phone without a headphone jack. Why'd I get this phone? Real talk, honestly, I just never used the headphone jack. My original plan with switching back to Android was first off, uh, iOS just I didn't like how restrictive it was for starters, and the keyboards just didn't impress me that were on iOS. So I switched to an S10, and I thought with the headphone jack, I'd hook it up to the mixer for, like, whenever there's a scam call, be able to take them and have the audio right there. But um, the problem with doing it that way was that it muted the microphone, and I could just never get it to work right. But otherwise, all the earbuds and whatnot that I use with my phone is are wireless so it's just like whatevs and then one thing i was actually greatly disappointed was with was on the uh was on the s10 was actually its camera quality the camera quality was like okay but I wanted to use my phone specifically for shooting video for when we were allowed to go see each other again at conventions and whatnot, and also to shoot video potentially for YouTube content. And the S20 Ultra's camera array was hands down, by, or the S21 Ultra's camera array, based on all the research I did, was just far superior to everything else that was out there. So it was an investment I was willing to make. And and on, even though my complaint about not having a headphone jack is pretty petty, it still feels that with a phone, the size of my face, the fact they couldn't throw in a three and a half millimeter headphone jack, it really does just come off as just Samsung copying Apple for the sake of making money like Apple. And I still hate the move. But it's still a compromise I'm willing to make, despite hating the move. That's my logic. I hope that clears everything up, and I cannot wait for, in five minutes from now, people going, Why are you railing on Samsung for not including a headphone jack? You still bought the phone. And I'm doing like, yeah, you, I mean, yeah, but, yeah.
like the, the excuse everyone uses for not including a headphone jack is that well it it increases the um it, it increases its water resistance the s10 has the exact same water resistance rating as the s21 ultra and it had a headphone jack It is not a valid excuse. I'm just saying. So anyway, I hope that clears a few things up. Meanwhile, if your Android phone is sending more than 2,000% more data than an iPhone, you may want to be aware of some Android spyware that is now out there. Now, fortunately, this bit of spyware that exists on Android only happens if you go ahead and do the super risky thing of side-loading apps. On iPhone, you would never know what this is unless you went ahead and dove down the jailbreaking world. But on Android, you can, in fact, if you so choose, bypass the Google Play Store and just install whatever application you want through a process called sideloading. However, if you do this, you run the risk of getting something that's sketchy out there. This particular malware is called system updates. And what's even better is that you can go ahead and install this thing without even knowing it because it's attached to some little some little version of an APK you couldn't get anywhere else. And the best part is it runs so stealthily. The only way you know it's active is if in your notification bar it says system updates checking for updates with the exact same Google logo as it would had while it's actually checking for updates. The scary thing about this piece of malware is that it's actually very, very well crafted. It's not like a, a lot of other spoofs where they spell alert wrong or anything of that nature. You could have this and just not know it, but while that up while it is searching for update, it is sending every ounce of data it can find on your phone to the attacker. So pretty much here's what I have to say. If you sideload apps. Personally, I think that you are most likely someone who is tech-savvy enough to go ahead and inspect your sideloading application files or grant them or gather them only from sources that you trust in the first place. So, most likely, you would be someone that is tech-savvy enough not to fall for something like this. Again, you're, you're definitely going to want to make sure you only get APKs that's the actual format of the application from sources that you trust.
For those of you who never did any sort of side loading but wanted to get into it, be aware. Just, if you aren't sure, better be safe than sorry. Everyone got that? Good. Let's talk about how AMD is becoming Intel. AMD, unfortunately, as their processors get harder, better, faster, stronger, unfortunately, just like Intel, start succumbing to vulnerabilities. It wasn't all that long ago that we started hearing about vulnerabilities on Intel CPUs like Spectre, Meltdown, Cash Out, and about 600 other quirky little vulnerabilities that were almost never abused, but people kept finding because I think they just wanted to find more excuses to come up with clever nicknames for vulnerabilities. At least that's what it felt like for the longest time. Well, AMD and their Zen 3 architecture now has a potential vulnerability, and it is one that is very similar to Spectre. Wah, 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 wah. So what does it mean? Well, for the most part, um, if you currently have a Zen 3 processor... By the way, that is the Ryzen 5000 series processors. Why does 3 equal 5? Don't worry about it. It makes no sense. If you have a Ryzen 5000 series processor, honestly, for the most part, I wouldn't worry about it too much. These kind of uh, processor attacks are normally never done on individuals. However, eventually there will be a patch to patch the processors. I I hope that's obvious. Because in the end, like I said, the individual is not targeted. Data centers, on the other hand, or corporate entities that are more likely to have all sorts of fun data that should never be accessed by anyone... That is where the attacks can happen. The way these sort of attacks work is that they have to go ahead and put a malicious code into the target computer. And then it starts trying to find data that it would normally not have access to. At least that's how these normally sort of work. Now, this particular one, AMD hasn't gone to great detail in how it works, but it's basically the same sort of using speculative execution and whatnot, and the code would then just abuse that and gain access to data that it normally should not have access to. Now, when Intel had a Spectre vulnerability and they patched it, it did hurt performance slightly what's going to really matter here though is how much of a performance hit AMD is going to take when they do patch it 
And so I guess we'll see. Someone in chat says in some cases the hit was significant. I want to say in the case of Spectre, it wasn't. But I, but the fix for Meltdown is what killed a lot of various PC performance. And that was actually one that uh, specifically nuked the performance on my Z800. I also admit I could be mistaken because it has been a while since we've heard the words Spectre, Meltdown, Cash Out, and literally every other quirk. I swear, who put more work in? The people who came up with quirky nicknames for these vulnerabilities or the people who fixed them? I swear, for a lot of them, it's 50-50. The people actually discovering that. You know, yeah, you're right. I, I think our friend here in the chat is correct. It was probably more work for the people actually discovering them. Fortunately, those that actually did discover them revealed them instead of just letting them go out to the wrong hands. Now, here's one thing, though, that is a bit concerning. And it goes back to the performance question. Right now, x86 is in a weird spot. x86, for those who don't know, is the CPU architecture that um, AMD and Intel both use, as well as a few other companies. But it's actually x64. Oh, shush you. No one says that. I'm getting ahead of the guy who always says that and is technically correct, but no one calls it that. Although right now, right now, AMD is currently at the top of performance. They are by far the performance kings in consumer electronics. I have a feeling Intel's going to be catching up in a couple of years. We'll get we'll cover that later on. But there is another shadow besides Intel hiding behind AMD. And that's the other elephant in the room, ARM. This is the CPU architecture that's in your smartphones. That's in this little emulator box that's only playing a watch and Super Mario Brothers that, I, that I'm terrible at because the entire controls... The freaking D-pad's smaller than my thumb. The whole thing! This is just... It's tiny. It's hard. Those are powered by these smaller chips called ARM. But... There is a trend going, and it was started, well, I wouldn't say started by Apple, but it's definitely becoming a much bigger looming shadow, thanks to Apple. And that's the thought of replacing devices that normally run on x86 with their own custom ARM processors. 
it is a legitimate concern. And in fact, we have a new sign of this sort of thing happening with the Pixel 6. A new report suggests that the Pixel 6, that's the upcoming Pixel phone, by the way, could be using a Google-made ARM chip instead of a mainstream Qualcomm processor. So we go ahead and push further and further out into the world of everyone making their own unique ARM chips rather than going with something like an AMD or an Intel, which my biggest concern with everyone making their own chips is quite possibly a security nightmare. And a, and a developer nightmare as well. Thank you. Thank you, uh, person in the chat. Because here's what's going to happen when everyone starts making their own chips. And it's not just Google doing this. Microsoft is already is already working on this. Amazon is already doing this. More and more tech companies are making their own ARM chips, thinking that that is the future. But here's the problem. All right. Are you ready for the problem? Have you ever heard of the term Max don't get viruses? The reason Macs don't get viruses is because of a concept called security through obscurity. And it is, in fact, this security through obscurity that I am fearful of. That Google is not going to be too concerned about any sort of specter-like vulnerability on them because they're only in Google phones. Who cares? Just like Samsung will only eventually use Samsung d- chips, even though someone in the chat says that uh, Samsung gave up on Exynos. Although that could be where this went because the rumors also say that this Google-made chip is going to be very, very close to Samsung's Exynos processors, which, by the way... Exynos was awful. Absolutely awful. Chat's right now talking about all the current vulnerabilities on iOS. Honestly, like the concept of Macs don't get viruses, it's gone. Macs are now big enough that they do get viruses, and there are big ransomware attacks that are done on widespread Macs quite often. Like, there are WannaCry-level vulnerabilities on macOS that are very infrequently getting patched because Apple gets comfy with their security through obscurity. But this is my point. If everyone gets comfy because of security through through obscurity, this means down the road... Let's say, for example, I want to go ahead and target Lex Luthor Corp. All right, let's pretend that. 
Well, the easiest way to do it is to first find out who supplies their stuff. And that could be easily found out just from doing this crazy thing called calling up a secretary that doesn't know better, posed to be a vendor, and ask, hey, who do you use currently? Oh, we use a Microsoft box. Bingo. And then just start your attack based on that. Targeting that chip that was never patched because they got fat and comfy with security through obscurity. That is my fear in all this. Hopefully, I am wrong. I really do honestly hope I am wrong. But in the end, only time will tell. It is going to be very curious to see if a Exynos-based Google, if a if a Exynos-based Google CPU is going to perform well enough to justify switching off pretty much the gold standard of ARM processors, that being Qualcomm. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, some bad news out of Cisco, and it's not for anything Cisco has done.
modern leaders, it's not just their ability to reason that we value or their eloquence. It's more than their intelligence that we admire. What truly matters is their humanity. Just like modern leaders, the LS is human at heart. Every aspect of the Lexus LS is crafted around you, engineered to a higher standard, the human standard. The new 2021 Lexus LS. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Modern leaders, it's not just their ability to reason that we value or their eloquence. It's more than their intelligence that we admire. What truly matters is their humanity. Just like modern leaders, the LS is human at heart. Every aspect of the Lexus LS is crafted around you, engineered to a higher standard, the human standard. The new 2021 Lexus LS. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. Unfortunately, Cisco is voicing their thought on the current silicon chip shortage, and they are estimating the current state of silicon chips could last over a year. Boy. Now, the unfortunate thing is that everyone everyone's pretty much coming to the same consensus. Between the lack of supplies, the increased demand, and the period where pretty much all these fabs were shut down in concerns of the virus has made this giant backlog and the current foundry capacity just can't keep up. And of course it's not helping anything at all that more and more and more and more of our devices are becoming smart rather than basic. I mean, for crying out loud, how long until a light switch has a computer chip in it? Oh, wait, that actually, I'm not sure if it actually exists yet. It, pro- it, pr- it probably does. There's got to be a smart light switch out there somewhere, right? But yeah. Yeah, Chad is pretty confident it exists somewhere. I'm fairly certain it does too. It's probably just like a little, uh, like a little touch, a little black and white touchscreen sort of thing that just replaces the socket. I could see that. It probably is a real thing. I don't know. Let's go to CES and find out. Oh, wait. The unfortunate truth of the fact is that all of these chip manufacturers cannot build fabs overnight. It's going to take time. In fact, Intel's is going to take a couple of years to build. 
build. TSMC is also planning on build additional fabs, but it's but they're estimated out to be in three years. They're going to be available. Eventually, supply will catch up with demand. The question is just when, how long will it be until it happens? And people are saying the rest of 2021, there's going to be a shortage. It's going to be even worse bad news for this console generation. Just look at right now. The Xbox and the PlayStation both have launched their next generation. Currently right now, the Xbox One and the PS4 are technically legacy hardware. You wouldn't know that because there are so few Xbox Series series and PS5s out there. Because of the chip shortage. There's rumors of a Switch Pro coming out later. How many of those are going to be made? Seven? Eight? And then, of course, there's all the other smaller stuff. Smartphones. Little doodads like this Super Mario Bros. Game & Watch that has no stand. Why does this Game & Watch have no stand to be a bedside clock like every other Game & Watch ever made since 19 always? How did you fail on your own product so much, Nintendo? Speculation right now is that the shortage will continue until potentially February of 2022. Someone's Zelda Game & Watch has no stand? Really? The dual screen. I've never seen a dual screen Game & Watch. I've only had a few of the really, really old ones. And those had like a paperclip kickstand in the back. I remember having those as a kid going camping. It was the coolest thing. I thought I was the coolest kid ever. Meanwhile, though, in the rest of the gaming world, we're being a little bit more advanced than the Nintendo Game & Watch. We have a story that seems like nothing until you start connecting some dots. The MLB The Show 21 is coming to Xbox. So basically, only six people care about this until they realize something. MLB The Show was a Sony exclusive. 
it's the one thing that Sony has really had going for them is the fact that the PlayStation has had by far the superior exclusive titles. And I would argue that exclusives is hands down by far one of the Xbox's weakest selling points since anything you can get on the Xbox with an exception of like a handful of games. Now I don't think there's any exception at all, except for like one halo game that nobody likes any of those games for the Xbox. You can just get on your PC. So really the only other reason to get an Xbox is because you don't have a PC for whatever reason. And normally at this point, this is when I'd argue, oh, well, just get yourself a used workstation like this HP Z440 I picked up for 200 bucks and slap a graphic card in there, except no graphic cards exist. So it's kind of hard for you to make that argument anymore, isn't it? And if Cisco's right, we're not going to see any graphic cards until the year 2022. (sighs) Someone in chat is falsely claiming they have a 3090. And they should get a 4090 Ti instead. Yeah, you should. You you should stop uh, having hopes and dreams sitting inside your computer. 3090s don't exist. Totally. But in all seriousness, this does show a bit of weakness in the world of Sony gaming. Not a big one, mind you, because sports games, let's be honest... There's one place that pretty much most sports games end up going in the end. And that's a dumpster. Or to a Goodwill. And the thing is is that there's even words of, of course, well, I mean, not words, but we already know that more PlayStation games that were normally... PlayStation exclusive coming to PC. That was the big news with Horizon Zero Dawn. Someone in chat says there are many people who buy one sports game and the console. I don't believe you. I refuse to believe that someone buys a console exclusively for a sports game. Who are these fictional people? This sounds like a myth. People are saying that that's the majority of console players. I know. No, that is not. No. There are not people who buy a console exclusively 
just to play the sports game. Apparently, chat says I'm wrong on this. I refuse to believe this. I refuse to believe there are people who only get a console just for a crappy sports game that ends up in a that gets remade every single year with no update. Okay, for FIFA, I'd believe it. I have heard of crazy FIFA players. But for like MLB or Madden, no. That seems very unbelievable. I don't know. Chad apparently is adamant I am wrong in this. But I refuse to believe there are people that would shell out. What would that be? Like freaking $600 just to play a bad game that's reprinted every year. That cannot be true. So, so may, maybe there is a bigger audience that actually cares that MLB, whatever the heck that was, is also coming to the Xbox. Since now it means they can go ahead and shave down their poor life decisions and game choices down to $360 by getting an Xbox Series S that doesn't exist and, and the game instead of $460 by getting a PS2 and digital only and the game plus tax. Chat says there are even people who like EA games. Those aren't people. Those are sheep. Change my mind. Only slight apologies to, to those who play EA games. Actually, no, I apologize to those who play EA games because they're stuck because they, they there's a franchise that EA owns that they like, but they know they're doing the wrong thing anyway. Like, unfortunately, I have to apologize to like every single uh, Star Wars, Star Wars video game player out there. Because you had no choice for the longest time but to go into EA. And every time you'd hear from them, they're just like, I feel dirty. I feel so dirty. Fortunately, my hatred for EA burns hotter than my need to play a Star Wars game. You killed CNC, man. But in any case, this is more and more signs now that we're done being distracted by apparently sports games being infinitely more popular than they should be, despite the fact that dumpsters are full of these sports games. But in any case, this sort of stuff happening with Xbox really is showing that... uh, Microsoft is really starting to win the value war. And that's pretty much all Xbox has had going for it. The value war. The Xbox Game Pass by far being a much greater value. If you don't mind doing a monthly subscription instead of flat out owning your games 
all the way through. You contrast this also with the fact that Sony is officially closing their virtual stores for the PS3, the PSP, and the PS Vita. And it really does look like in the console wars, Microsoft is landing tremendous blows. Where Sony just, well, they just closed three stores. And granted, they are for legacy hardware. But the PS or the Sony stores closing kind of brings up another point that I've been ranting about for for a couple of times now. And that is the fact that this move to more and more digital is potentially bad news for console consumers. Let's be honest here. I can still play on my Super Nintendo over there because I still have the games. I can still go out to a used electronics store and potentially find more Super Nintendo games. The same thing with my PS2. The same thing with the eventually the GameCube that I work on here. That Well, that needs to be worked on. I'm still waiting on a screwdriver to come in for it. The same thing for all of, of these older, what's considered retro consoles. These older consoles that haven't quite hit the retro threshold that no one can decide what is retro and what isn't, but now have digital stores closed, it doesn't spell good news for their future. What will eventually happen to, say, the PS5 digital version when its store eventually closes Does that mean that finding the digital-only PS4 is useless? That it basically has no future once these stores close down? Now, I do want to clarify that uh, on these devices... Any purchase you had before will still be re-downloadable. But for how long? These are all concerns to have in the console market. And of course, the first thing is going to get come. What about you PC guys? You get Steam. You all, you all decide to ditch this. You all just download your stuff on Steam and other virtual stores with lesser names like Epic. And it's true, we do. But here's the thing: there is no hard generational line from PC to PC. 
consoles, there's hard lines. Although nowadays, there's a hard line and then a small step up. Like a PS4 and then a PS4 Pro. In the case of a PC, there's always just small increment versions. There's whatever graphic card you threw in. That's a small upgrade. There's the CP you're using. That's a small upgrade. There's the amount of RAM you're using. That's an up. That's a small upgrade. There is no hard line. And someone in chat says, well, there is the DirectX versions. And that could play a factor in it. But not much of one. There are always little steps towards making some games obsolete and others not. But in the end, there is still a way to go back and play an older version of something. There is no, oh, the the PC7 is out. I guess my PC6 is, is hot garbage now. Heck, for the, for freaking nine years, my HP Z800 could still kick it with the, with the big boys, despite the fact that it used PCI Express Generation 2. And it just eventually came that we just couldn't do it anymore. That PCI Gen 2 was just too much of a bottleneck. And then, of course, in the case of PC, even though Steam is a walled garden, the PC experience itself is not. There are still ways to get around the walled garden. Let's pretend your PS3 had no disk drive. What happens when the PlayStation servers that have your digital games shut down? Well, then you only have two options. E-waste or piracy. Those are literally your only two options. Just let that sink in for a second. Speaking of the piece, actually, you know what? We're going to take another break here. I just looked at how, how much time we spent on this segment. When we come back, let's talk about some PC hardware after ranting about the future of console and PC games. We'll be back.
We work with more than 860,000 companies worldwide. That gives us a pretty good idea of how to help businesses grow stronger. Whether it's through data insights that help you make informed decisions about building a team that works better as a team. Or by keeping you ahead of thousands of changing regulations so you can keep ahead of everything else. Like building that better team. Grow stronger with ADP. HR talent, time, and payroll. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. We have some benchmarks for RTX 3050 and RTX 3050 Ti based laptops. These are for GPUs that are technically not out yet. But the performance does show that they are, in fact, quite a bit better than previous generation 50 series GPUs. Now, the 50 series, for the most part, you don't find these GPUs inside, say, your gaming laptops. Those you normally find 60s, 70s, and 80s. 50s are the ones you'd find in like, oh, look at this. We have here a... Kind of like a premium mid-range is where you'd normally find like the RTX 3050 or the 50 series. And honestly, the note of the their existence at least does show that, you know, hey, more, GP, more uh, high-end GPUs are going to be out in more laptops. Which is great because laptops currently, that might be the only way to get a decent GPU inside a laptop. Someone in the chat says the integrated GPUs were better for the price. Uh, not really. Like the last generation, it definitely felt that way. But that was mostly because... Uh, the RTX 2000 series really, really did just. It, it was just, yeah. Their price was just awful. But yeah, as no- noted here, and, and the same person in the chat just noticed it on, on, on the chart. The previous generation, the 1650 and 1650 Ti, just get curb stomped by the 3050 and 3050 Ti. So, good performance increase. Hopefully, availability will not be hindered. These would be between 35 watt and 80 watt GPUs. More likely aiming more towards the lower end 
just because the, the way they're doing the mobile GPUs this time around is that it's just like, it can be anywhere between this range. It's all going to depend on what the CP, what the laptop manufacturer feels like throwing on as a cooler. For a 50 series, let's be perfectly honest. It's going to be in thin and lights. So the cooler is not going to be massive and they're going to tailor it down closer towards the 35 watt. Someone in the chat says, so the customer has no idea what they're getting. Yes, exactly. Isn't it a confusing hot mess? Woo. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it either. But I also kind of get it. Because previously you would have. uh, You would have multiple different, say, RTX 2060 Max Qs, and they would perform significantly different. And it was just not fun at all. Meanwhile, over in Intel land, Intel has released officially, finally, for the first time, for the last time, their 11th gen Rocket Lake CPUs. And, uh, how nicely do we want to put it? How good would one say is Rocket Lake? Um, it's bad. It fails on so many levels. On so many different fronts. It is an absolute failure of a CPU length. Like, and probably the best part, their highest end the Intel 11900K, that is the top end Core i9 processor, is not even faster than the 10900K, the CPU it replaces. Not only did Intel fail to compete with AMD, Intel failed to compete with Intel. The only thing Intel managed to beat was the CPU inside this special edition Super Mario Brothers Game and Watch. That's it. And you know what the best part is? The best part of all of that is before the CPUs even launched, there were scalpers already selling confirmed pre-orders, which, by the way, were not a thing. Confirmed pre-orders of the failed CPU at scalper prices already. In fact, let's go on Amazon right now and see how much an Intel 11900K is. Oh, look at that. Oh, wait, no, that's the 10900K. That's available at MSRP. 
The step down, the 10850K is also available. The 11900K actually is not available. Did they really, really sell out on the stock? No. That's impossible. Are they? No. They cannot be scalping these. I refuse to believe that people are scalping the 11900K. Holy cow, people are actually scalping the 11900K. You want to know why it's so dumb to scalp the 11900K? Not only is it slower than the 10900K, but the AMD parts are far superior to the Intel parts and those are in stock! You can go and purchase the AMD 5900 when you spell it correctly for the going rate. Oh, actually, you can't buy the, the 5900. The 5800's available, though. The 5950 is also a bit... Oh, the 5950 is actually a little higher. Or maybe that actually is its price. That actually could be its actual price. I'd actually believe that. Folks. Listen to the wise bird man with a microphone. Do not buy an Intel 11th gen CPU. There are better options out there. Literally, in this case, buying the last gen part is equally as good. I've been saying stuff did not make sense about this launch, especially when just look at the spec sheet and the Intel 11700K made way more sense than the 11900K. There's just no reason to buy these, whether at scalper prices or at regular MSRP. Just don't do it. There's better things to do with your money, like literally anything else. It's just not a great plan. Just not a great plan at all. But hey, um, unless you're an extreme overclocker, then... Well, with liquid nitrogen, you can overclock that 11900K to 7 gigahertz. So, it has that going for it. Despite the fact that the current go-to for, uh, for extreme overclocking right now is all GPU bound. 
But keep in mind, the 7 gigahertz I just mentioned, that's only with liquid nitrogen for cooling. And is such a barely stable overclock that more than likely you're not going to be able to do much of anything else. The biggest thing of note, though, in order to get this 7 gigahertz, and it's what someone in the chat just noticed, is the fact that the voltage had to be cranked up to 1.873 volts. That's absurd, by the way. That is disgustingly absurd. Ooh-wee. Meanwhile, over in AMD land, they have discovered a way to remove the delay for boost to be initiated on mobile devices. AMD, despite being the king right now of x86, still has a lot of growing pains when it comes to a lot of their technology. One of which, Boost, has a bit of a delay on mobile processors. And it's one of the, the reasons why you don't see a whole lot of AMD laptops. The other one being is, is that, well, AMD has had a bit of a supply issue when it comes to creating these mobile processors. Well, fortunately, AMD has found a way around this. So that now mobile uh, mobile APUs or CPUs can now reach a higher boosted state quicker so that you so that you as the user of a laptop will not see as much of a lag between when the laptop goes from a low-power state to a high-powered state. So, huzzah, huzzah, a win for AMD laptops. I still want to get my hands on a modern AMD laptop. I am actually curious if things are going to be as good as people are saying. Very much legitimately curious. Meanwhile, in the rest of the gaming world, everyone is speculating about whether the leaks from Valve imply that there could, in fact, be a follow-up to Half-Life Alex. To which I'd say, yes, most likely there will be an there will be a Half-Life Alex 2. And then there'll be a Half-Life Alex episode Half-Life Alex episode uh, 2 episode 1 and then Half-Life Alex episode 2 and then it'll be so good and leave us on such a cliffhanger that Valve will once again leave us into cliffhanger hell in which we will never ever ever get the conclusion we all wanted. 
I kid about that, but only slightly. I mean... What happened at the end of Half-Life 2? We, we need to know how everything ended. We're never going to know, are we? We're never, ever going to know. By the way, more than likely, um, the follow-up of Half-Life Alex will almost 100% for sure not be Half-Life 3. And that, honestly, is the real problem in all this. With no good transition, I bring you all some kind of sad news. But before I give you the said news, I need to talk a little bit about the scheduling of this podcast. This podcast gets syndicated on Monday, which in this case would be April 5th. That's when this podcast is thrown out there for everyone to enjoy. I record this podcast live at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon, usually on Saturdays. Sometimes we have to fudge it around a little bit because of scheduling. But normally it's on, it's on Saturday. In this case, we are recording this on April 3rd. The report we have here is in regards to LG exiting the mobile business. LG, for those of you who don't know, has made a lot of budget phones and quirky concept devices in the mobile phone market for quite some time. They're the ones that gave us two smartphones screwed together on a pivot so that when you flip them open, it would make the shape of a T. A concept that pretty much made everyone that looked at it go, don't know if want. And really confused more people than it did intrigue people. There are also ones that at CES showed off a expanding rollable phone. Where the screen was rollable and you could just slide the phone open and expand the screen as a result. And then, of course, LG made a whole bunch of budget devices as well. Well, LG apparently is going to make it official on April 5th. Now you know why I had to give you the timing of this podcast. That LG will be exiting the mobile market completely. To find out if this is, in fact, an April Fool's joke or actually real, which, by the way, I do believe is actually real because we have heard these rumors in the past, and, well, all the sources kind of match up. I do believe this is real. I don't believe it is an April Fool's joke, despite the fact that it was published on April 1st. That's kind of always one of the scary things about trusting news sources that were on April 1st. But this one, I believe, is correct. If it is or isn't, I will most likely be talking about it. On April 6th morning, on the Early Burb Briefing, our short podcast, 
that airs every single morning. I'm not going to lie. It, uh, it is a little disappointing. They had some cool, cool concepts. I would have loved to have seen them move forward. In weird news I never thought I'd see, Microsoft has been awarded a $21.9 billion contract with the U.S. Army to make augmented reality headsets. Now, most likely, we, we don't know, honestly, because it's the U.S. military, and if you think the U.S. military is going to explain anything to you, whoo, man. Anyway. Now, of course, the first thought process is that it's most likely to be used for some kind of training simulators, right? However, let's think bigger. Let's think sillier. Let's think Terminator style. How long until we get military helmets with augmented reality HUDs built into them? The future is now. Even though most wars are fought by hacking each other instead of with actual combat, at least that we know about for the most part. Even though a bunch of people in the chat are going to prove me wrong with actual real life examples that have just not been covered a whole lot and out, out there because everyone's been too focused on the virus TM. I just want to imagine we're just like few steps closer to making cyborg super soldiers but then sigh in relief by the fact that they're powered by Microsoft and then Clippy would just come out of the corner of your headset and go, it looks like you're trying to win a war. Want some help with that? And that suddenly turns that apocalyptic vision I just had into one that is hilariously silly. Oh, God, your display goes completely opaque because it blue screens of death. There we go. Chat's on this. Then, of course, the question is then how long until they start putting other stuff on them? Niantic, the company behind Pokemon Go and Ingress, and I think that's about it as augmented reality games that uh, relied on your GPS is now working on their own AR headset that hopefully because it is not part of my Microsoft will not have Clippy ask you if you're ready to go conquer the world yet. But I gotta ask. Niantic, you call yourself an augmented reality company but let's be perfectly honest. Your augmented reality is awful. Like it really, all right. 
How many of you, back when we were allowed to play Pokemon Go, and back when Pokemon Go was actually popular, how many of you actually use the augmented reality function of Pokemon Go? Like a couple of you, maybe once or twice, just for the comedy of having a Squirtle or a Rattata being on your kitchen table. And that's about it. For the most part, they are not a true augmented reality company. They are closer to being a geolocation gaming company. Their games use the GPS far, far more than anything that is actually considered augmented reality. Someone in chat is trying to argue that because you moved about, that was the augmented reality part. It's not. Augmented reality, by the definition of some, is that... They go ahead and have, holy cow, I just realized how many ads are on this page. Jeez. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. 17, 18, 19. Sheesh. And then people wonder why I use ad blockers. God dang. Anyway... It is going to be curious to see how... This ends up going around just because right now there isn't really any good AR headset out there. Most of them is just VR being that all of it is virtual rather than just virtual aspects overlaid reality. So it'll be not, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. It'll also be interesting to see how goes PayPal's attempt to uh, to accept cryptocurrency because of course it does chat's trying to say hollow lens where, where can I get a hollow lens where where does a hollow lens exist That's like saying augmented reality is in the mainstream because uh, b- because Google Glass exists. Google Glass never launched. It tried. It really tried to launch. It tried launching as betas and whatnot, but you currently cannot get a Microsoft HoloLens. He says going there to get 
to search HoloLens to see if there's even a store page for it. Apparently, you actually can get HoloLens 2. It just doesn't say where. Yeah, that's not available to the general public. In fact, that's not even a proper sale. That's not for sale. That doesn't count. B- paying $3,500 to be freaking part of the experimental freaking beta section and only for businesses and you you are not allowed to ever resell the prod product and you're subjected to a turn tons of other terms and sales use that's not buying it that is absolutely not available Where were we again? All right. PayPal is accepting cryptocurrency. I was just at that. Stop trying to tell me. No, that does not count. Just because it has a button that says buy now. Did you look at the terms? The terms put you more in akin to what Google Glass was, which was a beta you bought into. That doesn't count as being available now to buy. You're you're just being a dingus. You're being as much of a dingus as PayPal accepting cryptocurrency. Actually, no. PayPal accepting cryptocurrency. You saw 3,500 and that's enough to, that's not, you're still wrong. (laughs) Anyway, I'm sorry, chat. This is not an incident where you're like with the sports game thing. That doesn't count. A price tag and a buy it now button does not mean it's available for anyone to buy. The finer details in this says otherwise. Anyway, the story I've been trying to get to six times now. PayPal accepting cryptocurrency. The cryptocurrencies they are currently accepting are... I want to make sure I have the correct ones. Will be pretty much just the four biggest ones that is bitcoin litecoin ethereum and bitcoin cash this actually did help in their push 
to push up the price of some of the bigger coins. Bitcoin and Ethereum both have gone up in price in a big... Oh, wow, they actually just dropped quite a bit. At the time of recording... Oh, actually, it's not that... It is a dip, but not as bad. Bitcoin at this time is current... At the time of recording this, again, we're recording this two days before it goes live, is currently sitting at $58,603. Ethereum, which took a dip and is now going back up, is sitting at $2,094.93. Ethereum has actually been rallying big. Um, what were the other ones? Litecoin. I forgot what Litecoin's at. I actually don't have a track on Litecoin. Litecoin is currently sitting at $205.71. Bitcoin Cash, which I also don't track, is currently sitting at $556.67. Bitcoin Cash actually has been trending down lately. Dogecoin is sitting at nothing because no one cares about Dogecoin except for lunatics. But just for funsies, let's take a look. Dogecoin is currently sitting at 5.7 cents. That's it. Where's the moon now? But in any case, it is throwing more and more legitimacy into these cryptocurrencies. And you know what actually has been what I've been noticing a lot more lately? More and more people are starting to kind of pay attention to the fact that uh, the way cryptocurrencies are supported by the blockchain is... uh, Sucking a lot of power. Finally, a lot of people are starting to notice that. And keep in mind the fact that the more legitimacy that cryptocurrencies get, the more valuable they they become and the more people who are going to go ahead and buy more GPUs to mine cryptocurrencies. Which then means you're going to have more and more of a shortage of GPUs as a result. Oh boy. Well, we're going to take a break here when we come back. No, I take that back. We're going to move on to uh, this this story here real quick. Visa is also going to be accepting payment settlements using cryptocurrency but they are only going to be using usd coin which is what's referred to as a stable coin it usd coin is its value is tied directly to you can probably figure it out the us dollar thus usd and it's just yet again 
another step in showing that cryptocurrency is starting to become more and more legitimate. Despite the fact that it is, in fact, a currency that is only powered and is only backed by everyone just mining with GPUs and nothing else. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we have some fun stories, including some very interesting gaming items that were sold for massive amount of dollars and also the closest thing we're going to get to Kit from Knight Rider. Bodega, 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 Alpha and Omega. <clears throat> Siamese sailors sell celery sandwiches. Sawing about a serving platter. Hey, Jamie. Yes. Uh, did, uh, did you want to try reading that line on the script there? Oh, yeah, let's see. Uh, you could say big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, that one? Yes. Yeah, no, I'm just not warmed up yet. Shouldn't be long. Lay, 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 detector test. Indecent bundle your home and auto with Progressive today. The marmot mangled my mushu pork pancake. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Oh, by the way, I, I just want to remind you that uh, there is, in fact, a virus. And that uh, because there is a virus, TM, that uh, PAX East has confirmed they will, in fact, cancel. They will try, to, or PAX Online will return in July instead. They are, however, uh, hoping that uh, future PAX events will move on forward. I'm not going to lie. Until this article, I completely forgot that PAX was the Penny Arcade Expo. Before then, it was just like, what's PAX? I don't know. Big LAN party, I guess. I completely forgot it was tied to Penny Arcade. Whoops. There were actually, for April Fools, quite a, quite a large number of really good ones. My personal favorite was the RGB hair dye from Razor, the Project Rapunzel. I was talking about how I didn't think that Razor was getting so surreal they couldn't they couldn't call it the good April Fools. I was wrong. They definitely did come up with something good. There are quite a few other really good ones too. Discord had a sound pack that actually is still available at at the time of this recording. Uh where are some of the other ones here? Uh Teletubbies had a cryptocurrency. Uh Lego made smart bricks that would get out of your way before you step on them. Uh, Linus Tech Tips launched an OnlyFans, and then people actually bought into it. Uh, the lock-picking lawyer once again had a very, very good, uh, heavily innuendoed review of an old lock. Unfortunately, for the second year in a row, Google 
failed us when we needed them the most. I'm going to take the exact opposite approach of The Verge. The Verge article itself is literally, I'm not even kidding, literally three sentences. Here's the entire Verge article. For the second year in a row, Google has canceled April Fool's. For the second year in a row, Business Insider has obtained internal emails stating that Google will not create a series of elaborate and occasionally entertaining April Fool's pranks this year. Google confirmed the memo to Business Insider and to us too for the second year in a row. Thank you. This is why no one likes you, Verge. This, this right here is why no one likes the Verge. What are you, the fun police? Do you hate fun? Yeah, I'll admit that some April Fool's jokes get out of hand. There's quite a few trying to actually be annoying and malicious in intent. Actually trying to go out and cause problems. But I, for one, view April Fool's as a time to actually go ahead and just be silly. And that's all Google has ever done. Heck, I still love the modification they did to uh, to Google Maps to turn the, the entire world basically into a giant Dragon Quest map. That was amazing. How the heck could you thank Google for not doing that? And granted, I get it. Productivity is harder to do when you're working at home. Maybe you just felt it wasn't in the greatest spirit to do it in the middle of this pandemic. I would argue it is. Surrounded by this much pain and despair. Sometimes you just need a good smile, a good laugh. Who was the one that was actually in charge of this article? Sean Hollister. You, sir, Sean Hollister, are a prude. You, sir. I don't know why you even made this article. How about that? I, for one, am disappointed that Google decided not to do April Fool's this year. But, you know, I suppose to each their own. That being said, though, on the grounds of April Fool's, uh, this article that was actually shown to me before uh, the start of the podcast from scientificamerican.com. I'm just going to give you the headline and the subheadline. Confirmed. We live in a simulation. Subheadline. We must never doubt Elon Musk again. 
amazing. Simply amazing. One thing that isn't a joke, though, is Lewis Rossman, the tech YouTuber who has been, who has talked about many different topics, including the insanity that is the way, not Chicago, the way New York has handled the pandemic to MacBook Repair, which is what he primarily does, and also Right to Repair, has actually started a GoFundMe specifically because he has started a 501c4 nonprofit group called Right to, I'm sorry, Repair Preservation Group Action Fund. And its sole purpose is, in fact, to get Right to Repair legislation past for those who are unaware what right to repair means it is basically the only way currently that people have to fight against a lot of the things that are going on in the repairing world right now it is virtually impossible to repair say your smartphone And in fact, in the case of a lot of other companies, they go out of their way to go ahead and put in as much anti-tamper as they can and also bar, legally bar people from repairing their own devices. To, To be clear about the purpose of the GoFundMe and the Action Fund, it is not to say that when they reach their goal, that boom, a law is passed. The goal is, in fact, to hire lawyers and to, with these lawyers, push to get this sort of act put onto a ballot and voted on as a referendum. It is not to directly buy a law onto the books. It is to buy the lawyers, the lobbyists, and whatnot to start the momentum of having a law actually passed. Now, this being said, it's going to be a while before it happens, because let's be honest, right now, Local and federal legislatures have much, much bigger things to worry about. Chat, someone in chat says it sounds like the same thing to me. It's not really. Because it's more about hiring the people with the know-how to get it done, rather than just buying its existence out there. You could say it's the same thing without a difference, but... There is a difference. In one... <clears throat> There's also the... I have a hard time explaining it as well. Mostly because... I am not a legal expert. Chat says, the fact you even need to buy people to, to get a consumer-friendly law pass disgusts me. 
Yeah, there is that aspect too. And it really does show a lot of the flaws in the fact that it does show a lot of the flaws in a representative government. And uh, yeah, it, it is very, very concerning. But at the same time, it's very hard to also look at other governments and say they do it better. Especially when the EU in particular is just, they end up just going out for fines for things that are just very non-helpful to anyone. But then saying we're doing it for the people. And it's just like, what do you do in it? I, I for one, do say, hey, you know, a guy like Lewis, who, the guy does so much right now. He runs his own shop. He's trying to survive in his own shop. In fact, he was even public recently in the fact that the city of New York is going after him for not providing data on where he gets his computers he sells when the only time he sells computers is when customers forfeit their right to them by not picking them up for months later. But you don't have a record of the sale of buying it from them because they forfeited their right for it because they left it there. It's the same thing like if you go ahead and leave... But anyway, got all that going on and then still going through the legal headache of starting up a 501c4. Got to give the guy props. Definitely, definitely one that is passionate about this movement. Now then, going on to a sillier topic that is much less political. A rare Super Mario Brothers cartridge just sold for Wow. Apparently this uh, particular cartridge was in a... I'm trying to find the actual name of the edition it was. All right, here we go. This copy of Super Mario Brothers sold for so much for quite a few reasons. One, it was still sealed. Two, it was then sealed again in another container with a rating of 9.6 by WADA, which is apparently a video game collectible grading company, and had the hang tab attached. 
and also did not have the trademark symbol on it. So it was a rare print on top of all that. Look, I'm not going to lie. I get why people go for collectibles. I mean, I ha- I have the freaking little color Game & Watch thing as a memento, but I mean, I paid 40 bucks for this. I'm just going to go on a limb and say that uh, $660,000 um, that is not a small number. That is a big number. That is a very big number. And it's not even NFT'd. Like currently the, the culprit of super inflated prices right now is because of NFTs. Digital fingerprints on devi- on things saying that this is an original copy. My sub count just vanished again. Twitch be twitching, man. This didn't even have that. Now that being said, Atari did in fact raise $110,000 overnight by using NFTs. Uh, Freaking NFTs, man. I'm not gonna lie. I'm there is actually a bit of a backlash in the artist community right now in regards to NFTs. I am actually legitimately surprised by this. But like NFTs are still in the new people are paying way too much for them because they think it's going to be big one day. The sort of thing like I, I would I would argue that every single NFT right now. People are paying 10 times more than they should for them. Because they think because it's cryptocurrency based, it's going to be enormous, just like Bitcoin. And I think it's just the opposite. And already we're starting to see the backlash start showing up. So uh, good for you, Atari, for very quickly raising that money. Chat saying what? Not 100 times? Maybe 100 times. I'm saying at least 10. At least they're they're paying 1,000% more than they should. Jet says, but can't we just essentially duplicate a digital a- asset? Exactly! And then on top of that, you can just attach an NFT to whatever the heck you want. There's already people starting to attach NFTs to pieces of art they don't own and then selling them. Meanwhile, though, over in the car world, everyone is speculating what the Apple car is going to look like, because of course, as we know, cars have not existed until 2023 when Apple invents the car, just like the phone didn't exist until 2008 when Apple invented the phone. There's actually been fewer and fewer people saying that Apple did it first for stuff they clearly didn't do first. Has that joke finally died? 
Nah, probably not. However, there is now a Google-branded Fiat 500 right now. So, officially, there is technically a Google car completely equipped with Hey Google and my phone just activated and is now listening to everything I am saying and typing it on the screen trying to do a Google search on it. Up oh, there we go. It apparently thought I said my phone needs to be activated and gave me instructions on how to activate my phone. But, you know, making a Google car is cool and all, and it is a manual, oddly enough. But, you know, can we do cooler? Well, my friends, I give you the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week that is not an April Fool's joke. And that, my friends, was a challenge and a half. Lamborghini! In an attempt to make the most advanced supercar ever, has incorporated an AI into their car. And who is that AI? It's Alexa. We've done it. We've made the fr- we've made Kit from Night Rider, but it's powered by Alexa. So immediately, all the coolness factor is gone. It's all gone. Oh, <laughs> uh, that is kind of it, it's both cool and really disappointing. I just can't think of two things that clash any harder than like the goofiness of the Amazon ecosystem. And a Lamborghini. Maybe, though, that's just me and more people are happier about this than I am. I, for one, find it insanely amusing. Folks, that's going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for watching. And I do encourage you to check out our daily podcast, The Early Burb Briefing, which airs wherever you found this podcast every single morning. iHeartRadio. On Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, Spotify, literally everywhere. And check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. Take care, and hopefully you have a great day.
normally I come up with some sort of witty li- little like uh, quirk at the end of the podcast, but um, we literally have some breaking news that just dropped. I'm not even kidding. Like 15 minutes ago. No, actually uh, 20, 25 minutes ago. Um, Amazon officially has come out apologizing and saying that apparently peeing in bottles is an actual thing that their driving subcontractors have been doing. So they have come out now saying that the, uh, that was the weird thing because all the reports that talked about it seemed really off. Like it just, it just smelled like a hit piece all the way through, but apparently their subcontractors have in fact been forced to pee in bottles in order to make deadlines. And look, I am not the most, I I am not going to say I'm a logistics expert. I am logistic, logistically savvy, but uh, that's not okay. Some would even argue that's not allowed, like at all. Now, one thing I don't know is if this was true of both their freight drivers and their local delivery drivers. Local delivery drivers are nowhere near as regulated as, say, your freight drivers, your Class A CDL holders that that drive. There, there. in the case of a Class A CDL driver, you are legally required to take breaks, and if you do not take those breaks and log them, there is hell to pay. And I'm not even being sarcastic about that at all. But for residential local de- delivery drivers, they basically just say, don't crash into a pole, please, K, thanks, bye. So the fact that Amazon is, in fact, just openly coming out and saying that this is true... It really does now bring a, it it now really just have to say, all right, you've now admitted there's a problem with Amazon. What are you going to do about it? And at the time of talking about this, and I admit we are talking about this two days before you've heard about it. So there's been a whole 40 hours of development between now and then. The real question is going to be, what is Amazon going to do about it? Because I'm sorry, that's not okay. Like, at all. So that is an update that actually does need to be talked about because we did talk about it last week and I showed great skepticism against the stories and it turns out they are 100% truthful at least in the cases of their drivers the one story about about a person at the shops actually saying that that they woke up in the morning and peed in a mug that seemed outlandish that did not smell right at all but i guess you know first step like i said first step's admitting it first step is admitting it and something needs to be done whether it is in fact amazon being more realistic about their expectation from these subcontractors 
actually that is pretty much like the only expectation out of this is just being just that someone in chat actually did bring up a very good point and that's could also be playing a role into this in the case of a residential uh driver a lot of public restrooms have been limited in regards to their access so that also could be playing a role in all this part of me kind of doubts that I, I, I doubt that it's the main cause of it let's put it that way it is probably playing a role in it now but we've been getting the amazon peeing in bottles stories for a couple of years now and I suppose when I suppose in hindsight, I should have known there was more to it when the stories just didn't go away. Cause that that has historically, whenever it comes to tech rumors, always been a sign that it's probably true. So, once again, I leave it at the point of all right, Amazon. You've now admitted there's a problem. What are you going to do about it? So with that, uh, that actually is the end of the podcast. Uh, Take care and have a good day. I know this is kind of an awkward uh, close to it, but yeah, that was literally just dropped on me as we were playing the outro.
Modern leaders, it's not just their ability to reason that we value or their eloquence. It's more than their intelligence that we admire. What truly matters is their humanity. Just like modern leaders, the LS is human at heart. Every aspect of the Lexus LS is crafted around you, engineered to a higher standard, the human standard. The new 2021 Lexus LS. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.